Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is David, and I am uh, excited to share again and join with you as we open up God's Word to see what it is to say to us today. It's an ancient text, an ancient text that sometimes is a bit perplexing, at least to me, right, in the 21st century, and yet it's a way in which God has decided to communicate His heart and His nature to His people, whom He has called still today, just like He did then, to go into this world and be gospel messengers in a world that needs that so desperately. Maybe it's strange to say, but I'm really excited about next week, Sunday. This is dangerous, right, as the guy who's now standing on stage talking in, for this Sunday. Except to say Pentecost is a big deal. The moment when God has decided not to leave his people on their own devices to try to figure out how to get a broken world to see the light of Jesus. But instead he comes and he dwells within us and says, Y'all together can be that light, and I'm empowering you through the Spirit to do it. That's a good day. It's a big day for the church. What's interesting, at least maybe for people like me who think this stuff is interesting, I should have practiced this part. Anyway, moving on. Um, Ten days before this coming Sunday is another church holiday. It was this past Thursday. It's called Ascension Day. And it's that day that we remember this moment at the beginning of the book of Acts where Jesus leaves. Right? If we think back in the story, there's that moment where Jesus is crucified and he dies. He dies to take my sin, my shame, the wrath of God that should be poured out on me. He takes it and he takes it into the grave. But three days later, by the power of God, he is resurrected from the dead. He then goes and appears to his disciples, and he keeps teaching them things. And he's walking around with them for 40 days. And I wonder, I wonder, I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us a clue to this. But I wonder if the disciples thought, Jesus is going to be with us now. Like he did that thing, and that was big, and it was good. But now now he's back. And now he's back. And then he takes them back to Jerusalem. They're up in the Galilee for a lot of the times. You can read that, John 21. I'm short on time and I shouldn't, moving on. Um, and then and then he takes them back to Jerusalem because they have to go. It's Pentecost. It's actually a, a Jewish festival, one that they're supposed to all come home. One of the three pilgrimage festivals called Shavuot, Pentecost in Greek. And they all come home. And Jesus then is like, all right, boys, we're back here in Jerusalem. And they're like, yeah. Last time we were here, that got a little nuts, but now we're back together again. And Jesus goes up on the Mount of Olives, and he ascends. And they're like, wait, where are you going? Like, I thought we were going to do this thing, right? Where are we going to go and, and, you know, let the world know of the love of this God, but now it's going to everybody. And she's like, yeah, 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 that's still the plan. So, so wait here until you receive the gift my Father has promised you've heard me talk about, and then go everywhere. But I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Jesus is like, you, you, you've got this. You, you can, we can do this. That's what God believes. It's stunning. And then they wait. I wonder by what day they were like, um, 
I wonder how long we have to, like, maybe by th- day three, right? Like Jesus was in the tomb three days, maybe Jesus, was, God will keep that rhythm, right? Where all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, and after that third day, that gift, that Holy Spirit will come. And then it was day four, and it still didn't come. And day five, and day six, c- come on, God, when, when are we going to do this thing? I wonder how they felt in this in-between time before then the Spirit came and said, Get out of here and go tell a broken world that there is healing in the name of Jesus. It's good news. It's good news. We get to hear a little bit about that in the ancient story, an ancient story of redemption. When God, too, calls someone to go, it's terrifying, but it's equipping, too. Pray with me, please. Father, may your word be our guide, your spirit our only teacher, and the glory of Jesus Christ our single concern, in whose name we pray. Amen. Listen then to the word of the Lord from the book that we love. It was some time later that God came to Abraham to test him. And he said, Abraham, here I am, Abraham said. Abraham, I need you to go. I need you to go to the region of Moriah and take your son Isaac, your only son, the one you love. And I need you to sacrifice him to me as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. So early the next morning, Abraham got up, he saddled his donkey, and he took Isaac and two servants with him. After he had cut enough wood for the sacrifice, they made their way to the place that God would show them. It was three days later they could see in the distance the mountain that God had told them about. And so he said to his two servants, You stay here with the donkey while I and my son Isaac go on ahead. We will worship the Lord there and we will return to you. He then took the wood for the sacrifice and he he put it on his son. And Abraham carried the knife and the fire and they continued on together. As they journeyed, it was there that Isaac broke the silence. And he said, Dad? Yes, my son? I I don't know, but we have the wood and we have the fire for the sacrifice, but we don't have a lamb. I don't know. God will provide. When they got to the place that God was going to, that God had shown them, Abraham built an altar there. And he put the wood on it. And then, then he bound his son Isaac. And he placed him on the wood. 
he reached out his hand to grab the knife and he raised it up. And then from heaven, the voice of an angel said, Abraham, Abraham, here am I. Don't touch him, the angel said. Don't lay a hand on the boy. And Abraham then looked up, and there in the thicket, caught by its horns, was a ram. Abraham went over to the ram, and he took it, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar to the Lord instead of his son Isaac. It is there then that Abraham renamed the place the Lord will provide. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ooh, that's a heavy one. Maybe because I'm a dad of five boys, but that's a, that's a lot of a story for us to take in at 11, 11 a.m. This morning, I just want to walk us through this story and see where God is moving and orienting his people still today. So, at the top, the story begins in Genesis chapter 22. If you want to find it there in your Bibles, I would encourage you, maybe make some notes. Or I, I, I like to write in mine, which my grandmother would think is an abomination to the Scriptures, which she's probably right and I'm probably wrong, but it helps me again maybe make some connections. But let's look at what is happening here, as this is the last major scene of the life of Abraham. It's after this story that we're going to start turning our attention to the next generation, to Isaac. And so this is like the bookend of the story of the life of Abraham. The, the starting point was in Genesis 12. And here we get to the kind of last scene, the climactic moment of the life of Abraham. And there's a lot of Hebrew literary devices that are trying to connect us, these two stories together, so we kind of see that as a complete narrative. And we'll look at maybe a couple of them together. So it just starts. And sometime later, it says, right? And so this is just helping us recognize that even though the story before this is when Isaac was quite young, it's the moment that he's born and then he's circumcised. And then when he's old enough and he's weaned, Ishmael and Hagar, listen to previous sermons for this narrative, this story, are sent away. And so he's pretty young at this age, so that the author just wants you to know he's old enough to understand some things here. And we'll hear that later in the story, as we just heard moments ago, that he's got a, a curious mind, this Isaac. But we have to remember, he's not a, a little kid in this story. He carries the wood. He's asking, kind of connecting the dots kinds of questions. Isaac's old enough to know what's happening. And then it says, and God came and tested Abraham. I just want to focus for a moment on this word tested. I think it, if I'm a, I'm a high school teacher by trade, and so there'll be a test after the sermon just because that's what I know how to do. And then I'll grade it. And no, I won't because I hate grading. But moving on. Um, it, it comes with like negative connotations, maybe from your high school career, uh, as mine at least, that, that was never my thing. But it doesn't mean the same thing in the Hebrew context as it does in ours. For a, a season of my life, and I, I would do some basketball announcing. 
This is very, if you know me, this is completely outside of my nature. Sports ball is not my thing. Give me a musical theater, I'm all in. But moving on. We, the, the varsity uh, basketball teams, would, we would like broadcast their, uh, their sporting event on the internet, on YouTube. And the boys game always had these commentators talking from the radio state, the local radio station. We would just use their audio and it was very cool. Turns out when you watch a sports game and no one's talking, it's quite boring to watch. Even like professional, let alone high school. No, no offense to all you high school athletes. Moving on. So my friend and I, who actually knows basketball, are like, we should, like, do the sports talk on this thing. And so we're doing this for a girls' varsity basketball game, and it's neck and neck at the end of the game, right? And so it's, uh, the, our team is down by three with, like, eight seconds left. And so the coach calls a timeout, and they're in their little huddles, right? And I'm looking down from, this is apparently what I was doing, and I see the coach lean into a, a student, Sarah was her name, and say, we're going to get you the ball, shoot a three. And so, of course, being all sportsy, I just say this on the airwaves. And so, which I, I don't know if that was a problem, and moving on. But I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel prophetic in this moment, right, if this actually goes down, which, by the way, it did. Um, but, right, it was this moment where the coach leans in and says, you've got this. We believe in you. We as a whole team, I as your coach, we know you're ready for this moment. So get open, and we're going to get you the ball, and you're going to tie the game for us. And we'll go into overtime, to which then they lost. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Like, this is it. That's this. That's what this moment is. God is not testing to see if Abraham will fail. God knows full well that Abraham will not. Abraham needs to know that he won't fail. Sarah, in that moment, in that huddle, was told by her coach and by her community, you've got this. We believe in you. You're ready for this moment. All that extra practice time that you took in the gym, all those moments you were shooting threes, we all believe in you. We believe you can do this. Now do it. Live into all that work, all that practice, all that diligence, those early mornings. We believe in you. That's the context of this story. It's not a vindictive, evil God who comes on and says, let's see if these people will screw it up again. It's a God who believes deeply that his human partners will do just what they were created to do. He believes in us. Oftentimes, I don't believe in myself. And so God comes down and almost in his face in the huddle says, you've got this. And Abraham says, here I am. What do you need? I'm ready for this. I'm ready. And then God gives the instructions. And then it goes real difficult. Okay, you're ready. I know you are. Do you know you are? Take your son, your only son, Isaac, the one that you love. Now, it's interesting. Abraham only says one thing to God in this whole story, and it's, here I am. There is a somber silence that follows the instruction. 
All we hear is, and then Abraham saddled his donkey early the next morning. It brings us actually back to an earlier story, just pages prior, when God comes to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for the way in which they have gone, and in a sober silence, they stay on their wayward path. But here, in sober silence, Abraham moves towards the will of God, towards this moment that this God believes in him. Does he believe in himself? And Abraham moves forward. The, the, the com- it sounds very commandy in, in English. Take your son. There's, it sounds like a, an imperative, a command. And yet there's, in the Hebrew, it's, there's an added participle in the, sto- in the narrative that says, like, will you take your son? It's an invitation. God believes in you. Do I believe in myself? Do we believe in ourselves to live this mission that God has given us? And if so, will we do what he says? It's an invitation. God is always inviting us deeper in, higher up into the will in which he has called us to. It's always a question of my response, is it not? For Jesus died and was resurrected again to give us the freedom to not live as slaves to sin anymore, but to be set free as gospel messengers in a broken world. He then sends his spirit and says, Go, I believe in you. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's rough. I don't know if I really want to do that. And so the story continues. Take your son, your only son, and go, God says. Go. Go forth. It's only in this moment, in Genesis 22, but also in the previous, the first story of Abraham, when Abraham has asked this question, go forth. In Hebrew, it's lech lechi. It's start walking, Abraham. It's there that God says, go, Abraham, leave your family, your father's house, your country, everything you've ever known, and go. Leave your past behind, Abraham. If you're going to be the human partner that I need you to be, you need to go. So go. And in that story, Abraham said, here I am. Hanin and I, here I am. I'm the one that's supposed to go. I will go. And here God says, go again. Go. Will you go this time? There I asked you to break away from your past. Now I'm asking something else. And Abraham starts going. There's a sobering line that I think too often we read past in this story, or maybe it's just things that I read past because I like like checking things off the list, and so I read the chapter, now I'm done. But it's in chapter, uh, verse, cha- verse 4 of chapter 22. The verse starts by, says this, On the third day. That's significant. I mean, we can make some connections maybe to the story of Jesus, and and those would be good connections. But I also just think it's very human of a line. I've walked across this desert, the place where God shows up, Mount Moriah. It's 
Jerusalem, that's the, the same mountain where the temple is being built, is going to be the same place that we believe Abraham was called to sacrifice his son Isaac. It's the same location. And if you're in his time, it would have been a desert landscape. And in the desert, it gets real hot during the day. And at night, it gets very cold. There are moments that you could be hiking through 100 degree temperatures during the day, and at night, it's going to be 40. So it's a three-day journey that Abraham is now walking with his son, Isaac, knowing that when they get to the place that they're supposed to be, he's supposed to sacrifice his son. So you tell me, what does Abraham do? So you're hiking across the desert landscape, and it's hot, and you're sweating, and then you finally, the sun is going down, so you're going to set up camp. And you set up camp to lay down to sleep the night. And your son Isaac realizes that this desert gets cold. And he says to you, Dad, Dad, I'm cold. Can I snuggle in? What do you say? What do you, it's, it's a human story. This man who is called to walk for three days with his son after being told he's supposed to sacrifice him. And then in the cold of the night, his son wants to cuddle with his dad. And his dad has to decide. Like, you bet. Come here. I need to hold you as long and as hard as I can. Or do you say, if I smell your hair one more time, I will not be able to do this. It's a human story. It's a story of real people who had to go forth in the way that God had called them to go into the chaos of this world. For what? It's three days he had to walk this way. The story happens fast. All of a sudden they're walking and then they're there. There's a lot of time for Abraham to turn and go back the other way. But he doesn't. He keeps walking forward. And they get to the place that God has called them to do. And it says that he then bound his son Isaac. Don't read too fast. He's old enough to carry the firewood. This is not a Google it when you get home. Just Google medieval art Genesis 22 or the binding of Isaac. It's an abomination. Because it just shows, like, you know, Isaac laying on an altar and Abraham's like, here I have this knife in my hand. It's not human. It's like bad art instead. There is a wrestling match that takes place in this moment. When all of a sudden Abraham's building an altar, knowing exactly what he has to put on it, and then he puts the, the, the wood on it. I don't know what's happening in the moment, what Isaac is doing. We don't hear that part of the story. But suddenly his dad comes up behind him and starts to tie him up. Dad, God, what are you doing? Stop. It isn't a simple, oh yes, no, this will happen. No! Your dad starts binding you up to put you on an altar? This is terrifying. And then he reaches for the knife. And he raises it up. And finally, finally in the story, a voice from heaven comes and says, Stop! Stop! And he says the same thing. Here I am! What? 
don't touch him. It says then that Abraham looked up and saw the ram. If you're looking up, where is he? You finally got the freedom to not have to kill your son. He ends up like a puddle on the ground. He finally looks up and there in the thicket is a ram caught by its horns. Can you imagine? And we hear then the echo in the last line of the story to which God said to his son when his son wondered, where's the sacrifice? And he says, this place is where God provides. It's a lot of a story for us to unpack in a single morning service. But let's just take a couple of moments to think about where God is still calling us to engage this story as his people today. In Genesis 12, God says, leave. Leave your past. Leave your family, your father's house, everything you've ever known, and follow me. Walk after me. Lech lechai. Walk after me. And he says, I'll go. Here I am. I'll be your guy, God. I'll be the one that actually goes. And it's here in the end of the story of Abraham that God again calls him and says, Will you still go? Just because you went one time doesn't mean that my call is over. I need you to keep going. There you sacrificed or there you surrendered your past. Now I'm asking, are you willing to surrender your future too? This son, the one that I've promised, the one that you have all the hopes that you have ever hoped will happen, are now through this child, are you willing to surrender your future to me in the same way that you surrendered your past. What about us? So often it's easy for me to surrender my sinful life. The, what God has rescued me from through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has set me free. I'm willing to surrender that. But I've got a lot of cool ideas of things I can do now in the future. And as God saying, are you willing to let me orient that path? I wonder what that's like for us here at Wyoming Harbor. For we've come into this place, maybe from another congregation or maybe from a, 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 from a place that you didn't know who this God was or who Jesus was, and you've surrendered that past. I wonder what God's going to ask us to surrender as a community as we walk forward as a people into the Wyoming community. What is God calling us to surrender not only our past, but also our futures as we walk after him? Because God is still saying, go, go, walk. And our only response can be, here I am. Oh, it won't be easy. But trust me, God believes in us. He believes in us. He's ready to put us, to give us the ball, to make sure that we could. He's ready to call us to go forth. All we have to say is, 
here we are. And walk together. It's good news. I think. (laughs) It is. It's good news. It's hard news, but it's good news. Believe this gospel and live in its peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, please. Oh, Father, help us believe it. Help us believe that it is good news. Help me believe that it's good news. Help me believe, help us believe that we are a people who are still called to go. And it's a very human story because it's human partners that you've called to to be your gospel messengers in this world, to be the light in the darkness. And so may it be so. May we as a people be the ones who respond Here we are, send us into this world so that you might receive all the glory and honor and praise that your kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. We love you and bless you and pray these things in the resurrected name of Jesus our Messiah. Amen.